0: It wasn't quite paradise, but it was awesome. This last week, I got to go with my youngest daughter and my father to Washington, D.C. And one of the things we did was we went to the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial. This is about 15 years old, so some of you may not have been there yet, but it's really well done. There's this uh, amazing, very majestic uh, sculpture of Martin Luther King, hewn out of stone. And then along the wall, they have these quotes uh, chiseled into the stone that, that he had said over his lifetime. And they're all very moving. But my father asked me, he said, Rob, you know, which, which one of these really is, is hitting you? Which one is, is your favorite? And I said, wow, you know, they're all so, so amazing. But, but this year, and I pointed to one, and, and the one that really resonated with me, it said, I am convinced that unarmed truth And unconditional love will have the last word in the universe. Again, it was, I am convinced that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the last word in the universe. And, and there was something in me that just so deeply resonated uh, with, with that. Today, we hear this word of the cross that today you will be with me in paradise. And I played with the Old Testament reading there for you so that you could here that that linguistically when the bible talks about the garden of eden it actually uses the word paradise and so there's a so there's a really good chance that when jesus is talking about paradise he's he's not talking about my ties on a beach he's talking about the garden and the way that god intends for life to be the way that God intends for us to be in harmony with creation, in harmony with each other, and ultimately in faith and harmony with our creator, that, that this is the way that, that life is intended to be. And I think all of us know that because when, when, we, see, when we see unarmed truth and we, we see... Unconditional love breaking forth, and we see those moments of just beauty where everything is good and whole, it does something to us, it, it begins to resonate in us, and it's as if as humans we have a natural resonant frequency, and when we, we sense that peace and that, that goodness of God breaking in, that paradise, our, our hearts begin to move and our spirit is stirred. And part of my time in D.C., I, I was finding many moments of having my, my heart stirred. I was there for a competition of middle schoolers, and it was the Future Cities team of Warwick, and there were 40 schools there that uh, had won their regional tournaments. And these uh, kids from all of these schools had researched and then designed and built a model of a city 100 years from now. And what was cool was not only to see the technology that in the future we hope will make the world a cleaner place, but what was really awesome was the way in which kids had not only transformed the way cities look, but I don't even think they were aware, they had transformed the human heart. Because none of these cities had any, like, missile shields or military bases it was, you know, humans got along really well. So, so if this, those kids have anything to say about it, the future looks really, really good. And also, uh, when we were there, there were some schools from China there. And right now, our, our governments are really starting to be at odds, and there's even fear about war over Taiwan. But but the kids from China and the kids from the United States, they were just happy to, to share their ideas and their excitement about their cities and, and tell about what they had dreamed of, of what the world could be like. They wanted to build a future together. And it was so good to, to see that, again, giving, giving us all some hope that, that unarmed truth and unconditional love are, are at work in this world and might have the, the last word. And so, again, I was uh, caught up and feeling like I was getting glimpses of some paradise there. But, <laughs> but that wasn't the only part of our time in, in D.C. Eh, that was not our only time. That was, that was not all that we saw. We also did go to the Holocaust Museum, and that was a very sobering reminder. A sobering reminder of what humanity does And the way in which truth doesn't seem unarmed, but in fact, truth is what the powerful through their propaganda tell us to believe and why to hate each other. And that it doesn't seem like unconditional love gets the last word, but rather an unrestrained amount of violence. Indeed, MLK himself, his ending seems to have been, yes indeed, from an armed assassin. And the news this last week was, was just so sort of humbling. You know, I'm here in the Holocaust Museum and I'm seeing why the nation of Israel needs to exist. But at the same time, I'm I'm seeing stories of, of Israel really wage such destruction in Gaza. And again, I'm seeing these kids cooperate as I'm reading stories of of Russia developing weapons to nuclearize outer space and and again, my heart was just so troubled and I began to lose my, my hope, my, my faith that indeed unarmed truth and unconditional love have the last word in the universe. Well to sort of top it all off, we had taken the metro into D.C. We wanted to be future city. We didn't want to drive. We wanted to take the metro. So we took the red and the green line and we felt so sophisticated and got out to the parking lot to drive home, and we went to the long-term parking, and my dad's car was nowhere to be found. She started panicking, you know, and we, well, I'll make a real long story short. It turns out my dad owns a Hyundai Elantra, and Hyundai Elantra is a TikTok craze right now because it is easy to hotwire. And it turns out that uh, somebody had smashed a window, tried to start the car, wasn't able, and the police had then towed it to an impound lot. So this was the ending of our joyous time of all about the future possibilities and what the future city could look like. We're standing there in an empty parking lot with really, with nothing but a few police cars showing up telling us that we should have had a club on my dad's car. Yeah. That was, that was, uh, that was pretty, pretty rough. And so when it comes to life then, why is it that we have a hope? What gives us a hope that there is indeed mercy in this world, that, that there is unarmed truth, that there is unconditional love? Well, for us as Christians, it, it's a word from the cross. It's this word of Jesus today. For there is a man who has done something deserving of death. In fact, it's, it's so bad what this man has done that he is acknowledging that crucifixion is a just punishment. This barbaric, heinous thing. He is acknowledging that what he has done is so bad that somehow this is justified. But he cries out in mercy and in faith. And, and he says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looks at this one, and, and he says to him, such words of mercy, and he says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And the fact that this man has, has totally estranged himself from the rest of society, that he's, he's dying on a cross, Jesus looks at him and lets him know that in spite of all the evidence to the contrary for this man, that unarmed truth and unconditional love will write the last words in that man's story. And that's, that's so much of really why I'm a Christian, because I, I, I want and I hope and I believe that that's true, that, that in Jesus Christ we finally meet unarmed truth. The only weapon are the weapons of the nails that have gone into his hands. And we hear, in spite of all the hatred and all the cries to save yourself and all the torment that's directed towards him, he he shines forth this undeserved love, this mercy, and he says, today, today you'll be with me in paradise, that ultimately God's redemption, God's faithfulness to make this world right will will win out. So again, this this word of the cross gives gives me hope. But I, but I wonder, though, I, I wonder if it's not simply that the word of the cross provides us mercy, but at some level we've, we've had to experience mercy in this world to make sense of the mercy on the cross. Uh, what I'm getting at is that there are two thieves, and, and one has a cynical, hardened response. Save yourself. In even a mocking, jeering way, aren't you the Messiah? So to the end, he's going to be bitter and angry and spreading hatred. The other one, though, in spite of it all, suddenly turns to the Lord in confession. In confession and prayer for forgiveness and resurrection. And I wonder why these two responses. We don't know much about these two criminals, just that they had done something wrong. But I can't help but wonder, I can't help but wonder if, if the one who is repentant at some point in his life, from a mom, from a dad, from somebody had received mercy because he knew what it looked, what it sounded, what it tasted like. And, and my sense is that the, the reason why we finally confess Jesus is Lord is yes, the word of the cross, but also because at some point in your story, you have had mercy break in when I was walking around D.C. with all of these middle school youth and even some high schoolers, it reminded me of a profound story of mercy in my life. I was 14 at the time, and so I'm now— this this story has now 30 years between me and the story. I can finally tell the story in public, okay? So I was at a national youth gathering in New Orleans. And at one of the large worship services, I ran into a friend from another state. And I found out the hotel where she was staying. And I thought it would be a good idea to go visit this person. So that night at around 8.30 or 9, I left my hotel alone and began to walk the mile to that person's hotel. On the way, I had people trail me. At this point, I'm like 5'4", 75 pounds, right? I mean, I'm not sticking up to anybody. So I finally I get to this other hotel and I'm like, I, I have to go. I literally showed up and said, I am so scared out of my mind, I have to go. Do I have any money for a taxi? No, right? I've got nothing. So I'm like, I, I'm, thank you very much, I need to go. So I start going home and I see a couple walking out of the theater and so I say, can I walk with you? I'm like, sure, sure. So I walk with them and a couple of blocks later they said, well, we're going we're to get in our car now, do you want to go with us? And I said, yeah, that's a good idea. So I got in the car with these people. And I said, and I closed the door, and I said, well, do you want me to to lock the car door? And the man said, blank, no. If any of them blanks come, I've got a gun in the glove compartment. The next light, I said, thank you, ran out and ran the entire half-mile back to the hotel. And when I got to the hotel, I was shown mercy. First of all, my dad was the chaperone, the pastor on this trip. And I don't know, and at the time I didn't know why he didn't kill me. (laughs) But now as I look and I think like 14-year-olds, like something really bad could have happened to me, really bad. And I think my dad was just so thankful that I was alive. And, And as I look back again with years, years later, I'm like, wow, there but by the grace of God go I. And I begin to think of all of these stories in my life of where mercy was shown, where, where unarmed truth and unconditional love was, was writing my story over and against my best efforts to write a different story. And so when we think about then those stories of mercy in our lives, I think those are what, what give us the, the ability, the conviction, the faith. In spite of everything that's going on, in spite of the the news headlines that are so horrifying, in spite of anything that we're encountering, they, they give us the faith to turn to the Lord and say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom because I know you have in the past. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Knowing that maybe, just maybe this week, we're, we're called to to give somebody mercy and help their story go on. Well, I can't leave you with uh, the police officer uh, there just leaving us standing in the parking lot. In part because, well, right, unconditional love and unarmed truth have to get the last word in the story. But also because what happened was really uh, beautiful. And um, the other day... Uh, my, my youngest daughter was cleaning out our stuff from our trip, and she asked in the kitchen, can I throw away this, this heat pack? And Emily's like, yeah, throw it away. And I'm like, no, no, you can't throw that away. And they kind of look at me like, it's just like, you know. Turns out that when uh, we were in the parking lot, by then the sun was, was starting to set, and it was getting cold. And the police officer, police officer Alvarez, um, was helping us. And he went back in the car, and he just got out heat packs. For, for me and my daughter. And he really, the, you know, it wasn't just standard policing protocol. He really looked at us and realized that we were just in this cold parking lot and he wanted to do something for us. And lo and behold, of course, then some other people would redirect their routes back from D.C. and would pick us up. So maybe, just maybe, in this story of broken glass and violence that somehow unarmed truth and unconditional love, even there they were writing part of the story too. And so, I'm curious what in in your life are the, the little heat packs? What are the stories and the mementos you have of times and ways in which God's mercy was writing your story in a way that then allows you to pray? Like so many before us, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom because I know you have in the past. And I know you will again. Amen.